Good afternoon. You're listening to Scarif Bay Community Radio and this is Local Media This Week. My name is Jim Collins and I'm joined here in studio by uh, most of our usual gang, John S. Kelly. John, good afternoon. Good afternoon, uh, Jim. David Fleming. David, you're welcome. Thanks, Jim. Uh, Pat O'Brien, our usual... um, contributor is not with us today he can't be here and i think it's it's the first uh, program since the inception of the show that he's missed indeed but, uh, it's a good record yeah but anyway we're delighted to be able to be able to inform our listeners that we have a naval deputy yeah. and that is mr luke fleming luke good afternoon to you good afternoon i c- cannot replace pat but, <laughs> but seeing as i was in the room i think i've been dragged out again <laughs> you have big shoes to fill indeed indeed i'll try to be controversial yes <laughs> very good we'll start charging water to the dubs from <laughs> shannon and <laughs> some other such things yeah Anyway, uh, we're recording this show on the day before Christmas Eve because uh, we, we give ourselves the weekend off uh, looking at the Clare Champion and the Clare Echo and we would urge all our listeners to strongly support our local newspapers here in County Clare. The Clare, uh, the Clare County Express is, is also in circulation at the moment. We had that last week. So uh, very important that our county is you know, has uh, these uh, newspapers in order to, I suppose, express the various ideas and uh, let us know what's happening Mm. all over County Clare. Now, I just see a sign there on the top of the Clare Champion, lovely red banner with Merry Christmas, and Santa Claus is there reading presumably last week's Clare Champion, and then underneath that, a very un-Christmassy type of thing, and that's Doolan Rescue Service, all at sea. So, uh, Luke, I think um, yeah, it, 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 it seems it's, to be an ongoing store. It, it's, it's page one of the champion, and it's also in page four of the Echo, and um, it's not a good story at all, Jim. And uh, it basically means that there's there, there's a few different things here that need to be considered. Um, Junior Minister Hildegard Nocton has requested Irish Coast Guard to begin reconstituting the Doolan Coast Guard following receipt of a report and recommendation from the independent mediator, Kieran Mulvey. But if you start to read through, uh, as I said, Porrick mentions in his article, in his report, Mulvey outlined, and I quote, Regretfully, I formed the conclusion that no form of mediation will lead to a resolution of the matters of disputation in the unit. That was a new word to me now. It's a lovely word. Yeah. There's the music in it. Yeah. And it said, vol- and no, th- there's one telling thing in this. And I think it just, I said, we don't know the full ins and outs of it. But it says, volunteers did not respond to the mediator's attempts t- to get an engagement on the identification of the interpersonal difficulties between them and which formed such a major and negative nar- narrative in a report that was uh, issued in 2020. This report flagged a complete absence of trust, respect, and in some cases, an absence in terms of desire to resolve matters. So it's like matters are entrenched there for a number of years. And on the champion, it also alludes to the fact that... um, which they, they said a new unit will have to include a number of experienced members in view of the difficult cliff and sea rescues undertaken by the unit. Now, obviously, Doolan 
covers the Cliffs of Moher. Mm. It does. Right? Mm. And is a very busy unit, partly as a result of that. Regrettably, many un- times. Un- unfortunately. Yeah. And, you know, they, they do uh, great work. The Clare Champion has learned that um, the volunteers are not permitted by the National Coast Guard to carry out a call-out on certain designated risk zones about a kilometre north and two kilometres south of the Cliffs of Moher. What that means is, if a visitor falls and breaks their ankle outside the fence, the Doolan Coast Guard are not allowed to provide assistance in this area. Why is that? They're saying it's addressed by the fire brigade, local rangers or other emergency responders. It follows a risk assessment undertaken by a company on behalf of the Cliffs of Moher, which was later sent to the National Coast Guard. Now, Senator Martin Conway has said it would have been beneficial if Mr. Mulvey had gone back to volunteers to discuss a draft copy, copy of his report before it was published. And the Fine Gael Senator said that the Department of Transport, and in particular the National Coast Guard, has more lessons to learn than any other party involved in this difficult situation. So, so how are you interpreting that now? Well, no, it could be interpreted in a number of ways, but if you were to look at it, I would think that it would appear that I think the local unit had big issues with the national way that things were being done. I I could be wrong with that. Didn't didn't, yeah. the, didn't the local unit fall out with each other? And probably the national unit didn't do enough to resolve well, matters. Well, certain certain members did. Yes. Yeah. We're talking about something historic here now. Uh, over a number of years. Over a number of years. Yeah. And yeah. the Mr. Mulvey, who is probably the country's best mediator, one of the best mediators Indeed. in the country, if he can't get to the bottom of it. Um, but if people are unwilling to talk, you see, that's the problem, and that's what's being suggested at here. Yeah, and you see, the champion, uh, we say, it's continued on page two in the champion, and the champion has been told, uh, and I should say that it's uh, Dan Danner, who covers uh, right. out our side of the, the fence as well. Yeah. Dan has the article, and he says, I, I think that the roots of this can be go back to a report who said this uh, graphite HRM in February 2020. He says, the failure to provide any feedback from the one-to-one sessions conducted by the National Coast Guard last July and Graphite HRM in February 2020 caused a lot of frustration amongst volunteers in the unit. And I would take that as uh, basically the big boys didn't like what was said about them and didn't want to acknowledge it. Yes. That's what I would take from it, mm. that they weren't able to take constructive criticism. Mm. Now, some of it yeah. may have been personal, some of it may have not been, but yeah. I, can you see in any organisation that's either community-led or volunteer-led where their sole focus is anything but other than to give the best service possible? Indeed. Mm. It's usually the case, yeah. Uh, you know, uh, 99% but, but, of but, but, but I would co- I would put the Coast Guard in the same category as the Fire Brigade. Um, and some of them are professionals and some of them are volunteers. I don't understand why we don't have a professional Coast Guard. Why we have to rely on rescues from volunteers. At this point, no. The, 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 the critical thing is if, if there's a call out, yeah. they can't respond immediately. Uh, those volunteers, if they can't trust each other, means they're putting each other's lives at risk. Yes. Yeah, because the the kind of situations that they go into, and it absolutely involve 
total trust mm. in each other. Mm. Yeah. Mm. It says, in, in accordance with the recommendations of Mr. Mulvey's, Mulvey's report, members of the Doolan unit will be permanently stood down. The unit will be reconstituted in the short term by temporarily appointing volunteers who the Coast Guard believe can work and operate together. So essentially what they're doing there is they're getting rid of the people who might be at the heart of the dispute, maybe on both sides, mm-hmm. and taking the ones who are less involved, I suspect. Mm. Yes. 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 And hopefully maybe trying to recruit new people. But I wonder, you know, is there going to be a shortfall in terms of the quality or the the expertise, the skills of the people? Because if, if you know, if they're if going you, to bring oh, people oh, yeah. in who are more, who are obviously inexperienced... Yeah. Yeah. You need the older. You the do. Older people. Yeah. And, and yeah. You it know, mightn't be easy going on the the interpretation of the readings. There. Like an, it mightn't I, be too easy to actually f- f- get the older members. To and, and presumably the, the nature of the, the terrain, so to speak, yeah. would be well in hand with the, with the more experienced yes. members. Yes. Whereas even someone with experience coming from somewhere else, it's, it's, a, it's a more difficult situation because they don't know into what, you know, they don't know the, the lay of the land or the lay yeah, of the sea yeah. in this mm. case. Yeah, and I think, Jim, it's important to point out uh, a few things as well. It says, volunteers, uh, according to Dan in the Champion, says, are, are upset that they didn't receive an advanced copy of the report, which was published on Thursday afternoon last week. And they're also concerned about the lack of progress addressing unresolved issues following the tragic death of Katrina Lucas in Kilkee in September 2016. That and seems to be, from Dan's report, that seems to be for the volunteers when things really began to break down. Yeah. Something must have yeah. happened around that incident, tragic incident of the death of Katrina Lucas. Mm-hmm. Um, the fact that it's mentioned there. Uh, yeah, but you know, j- just going back to what John said about, and Jim, about years of service, some, some of the volunteers have 30 plus years of service, mm-hmm. of volunteering. Um, but what's intriguing me is how Kieran Mulvey did not um, share his report with the groups yeah. before it was released. You see, maybe the department didn't, uh, or he's only employed by, he. in this case, it's probably the department or the National Coast Guard. And so it'd be up to them to decide. This Kieran may well have decided uh, or thought we should release it. Mm. But it would be up to the department or the National Coast Guard. And, um, Which, whatever, uh, whatever about the breakdown in relationships, I think, between the people involved on the ground, I yeah. think, that is a clear ind- indicator to me that the issues are also at local to and national, national, to yeah. national yeah. yeah and probably vice versa as okay well. anyway okay. Listen, all we can hope is that um it'll be resolved it, it gets resolved mm. because a, a fabulous service that is provided yeah. right move on i suppose not altogether unrelated uh, subject is on page uh, 16 of the clare echo Porik has a, a story there new high-tech weather radar to be installed in the airport and of course it's on the the news section of the Clare Echoes. Uh, as if we didn't need to know anything more about the weather than we already know. <laughs> well, I've been saying for a long time, Luke, you'll probably share this. Ever since Gerard Fleming left Met Aaron, we haven't got an accurate weather forecast um, since that time. Now, hopefully this... Hey, wait a minute now. It's not a little bit of an exaggeration. <laughs> it is. Well, I, 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 in the last few years, I feel that Met Aaron haven't been interpreting... 
the meteorological well, situation all our, that correctly. Our, our weather forecaster is here at the table. Yes. And, uh, and, and has something draw, to say. Yeah, do, where do you draw your, your from where do well, you draw your material? Generally from Met Aaron. I mean, because they are the authority in the country. Supposed um, authority. Now, we're, we're talking here, generally we record the weather forecast on maybe Friday evening. Uh, so we look at what they have forecast, and generally Saturday and Sunday are pretty mm. accurate. But it starts to get a bit more, less accurate when you go to Monday, Tuesday and Wednesday. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I have found that some days it's very accurate, mm. and more days it isn't. But I would put it down to the vagaries of the temperate climate that we live in, <laughs> yeah. rather than the the. Have you ever been accosted on the streets in Scarif and, and, and people complain to you that you've given false um, or incorrect forecasting? Well, John, no. Do you know what Jim, I imagine, does? He throws the wink at them. You know yourself. Well, I was I was talking to someone recently, and um, said the weather forecast in in on Scarif Bay Community Radio is is sponsored by uh, Paddy Punch Engineering. Yes, and he's on the Fecal Road in Scarif. Yes, and Paddy gets he's got occasional you know helpful hints and suggestions about the weather because uh, he f- he sponsors the weather forecast and uh, it would be he, he would tend to it would be suggested to him that maybe he could improve the weather <laughs> <That's> you know <laughs> well, well he, he, he needn't worry now Jim because Cahill uh, uh, Crow is going to tell us all about it he says dual polarization weather radars involve cutting edge technology and software that has the ability to discern between heavy rain, rain, snow and sleet. By golly, huh? This information will give meteorologists and the Irish Aviation Authority a more acute understanding of what weather fronts are moving inland from the Atlantic Ocean. And the new radar should help to improve the accuracy of precipitation, which is rain to you and me, estimates leading to better advanced detection of flood events. Yeah, they didn't need this at all. They should have just brought back Gerard Fleming. And uh, and, and he would discern between heavy rain, rain, snow. Storm Barra is a nice example, actually. You remember Storm Barra a few weeks back. East, my part of Tomb Graney, let's call it, (laughs) uh, was barely affected. By Storm Barra. Really? That's right. Fossabeg escaped with yeah. minor. And we, were, and we were in a red zone, would you believe? Uh, yeah, but David, they gave an orange weather alert for Dublin, so therefore it got exposure and the kids got a day off. That's all that mattered. Was there not a tree down in Tumgrain? That tree was dead anyway, and you could have pushed it over with a, with a finger. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I okay. don't know, Jim. The the high tech weather. <laughs> well, look, we we'll, we we'll, we depend. I suppose some people do depend, and it's a very serious case for fishermen and for it is. other people. Um, yeah. You know, yes. ESB workers as well. They they all put their lives on the line weatherwise. So I suppose a, a very a good forecast is yeah. very very important keep, keep it up Jim I would say go to uh, Met Aaron before you <laughs> totally rely on particularly the longer term <laughs> forecast listen as we speak as I said it's the 23rd of uh, December today so tomorrow evening um, the children we have one presenter here who has two small children who are waiting for Santa Claus and uh, probably with bated breath David well I've told them 
I've re regularly reminded them, especially when they're fighting with each other, that Santa Claus is watching. How do they react? when? Oh, they become much more compliant yeah. to their father's wishes. <laughs> I suppose the, the weather, the radar in Shannon would probably help. Uh, oh, it probably, <laughs> probably will help Santa Claus as yeah. well. But yeah. Um, yeah, no, Santa Claus is big. Of course, Santa Claus is so big nowadays. Um, and he's expected to bring massive presents altogether. But they can, for whatever magic he has, he can manage it all. He can. Well, well you know, yeah. there is a most beautiful ad on television where one of the reindeers yes. got injured. And I think it's the most creative and beautiful piece of work uh. I've seen on, on uh, over the Christmas period. Yeah, yeah. Getting the reindeer back to the North Pole. Yeah, yeah. And that child that leads the, do you know, yeah. Uh, that leads the van. Yeah. Have you all seen it? I mean, the yeah. I have. The ads at Christmas really are emotional tearjerkers. They, they really do try to wring the emotion out yeah. of you. Yeah. And the In order, ultimately, to loosen right. up your pockets. <laughs> <laughs> so the objective actually is really <laughs> the pocket. Well, you, the fact that you can remember that now yeah. may subconsciously have an impact when you're in a shop. <laughs> yeah. Well, anyway, uh, on, on page 21 of the Clare Echo, yes. uh, Elaine Tubridy has what, to my mind, is just a fantastic scoop. It's an exclusive interview with Santa Claus in the week leading up to Christmas. And really, it must be, you know, that Santa had the time or chose to talk about the children of Clare, including David's too. Um, but anyway, he's quoted here as praising uh, the Clare children ahead of Christmas night. So that's definitely a positive. It's a, it's a, it's a very positive story, this. And um, mm -hmm. Elaine says here, Santa revealed that Clare children are some of the kindest he has ever come across. Now, of course, Cork children will have to take <laughs> note. But uh, is the, what I'm wondering, Elaine, is there a league table in the country? Mm. But anyway, uh, this is Santa's view. And he says, um, I've been watching and I see how kind they are. They all are. This year, I need to ask them to go one step further. Please, kids, be mindful of those who didn't get a lot of toys for Christmas and be sure to share your gifts with the other children. It breaks my heart, but sometimes I can't deliver everything for those who deserve it most. Mm. Those kids have a special place in my heart and I will always look out for them in other ways and help them where I can, he added. Yeah, yeah. isn't that lovely? Yeah. I quite like the line where he says, I am a hide-and-seek world champion, so there's no point trying to find, <laughs> trying to find me. So, so, I, so hopefully he has delivered all that needed to be delivered yeah. on time, yeah. Uh, yeah. and weather permitting, and uh, that the, yeah. the kids are happy. Okay. Very good. Well, anyway, what I was hoping for... Sorry, John, are you, have you something... Well, I, just you because breath there, that's why... <laughs> because, because it is the 24th coming up now, all right. We, 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 have to, we have to let our listeners know that our good friend Brendan Quinlevin, parish priest of Tulla, will be participating in Andrea Bocelli's uh, Christmas programme, Heart and Soul, beyond the BBC World Service on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Did you know that? 
I t- yes, I will. In my homework, John, I saw it on the paper. Well, no. it's, it's on, John, it's on the front page of the Clare Champion. So yeah. you, you haven't that scoop yourself. It just uh-huh. Quinn has it. <laughs> uh-huh. Well, the show goes out to around 22, how about that now? 22 million listeners on the BBC. It's here. massive, isn't it? It's absolutely. But the question is, how? D- I know Brendan can find his way in through many different uh, gates, you know. Uh, he has that capacity, but how the heck he manages to be involved in a program with Andrea Bocelli. But uh, but but John, can you tell us what exactly he's doing on the program? He's, he's providing the actual English um, voice translation over. voiceover. Yeah, okay. because Andrea Bocelli is speaking in Italian. He do, and uh, he do, apparently does, he doesn't, doesn't like speak, he can speak English, but doesn't, but doesn't like to do so. Yeah, which is fair enough. But so I mean, talk about uh, now, how did they? How, how did how did a priest from Tulla get this gig? Is is your question, isn't it? It is really. Well, you see, Brendan, am I right in saying that Brendan was ordained in Rome? I think so. he has a yeah. Roman connection. He certainly and, has a Roman connection, and he was on a retreat. Where better place to go for a retreat in wintertime than Rome itself? Himself and Father Tom Ryan were in Rome for it. And it was well, they had a uh, yeah. fortuitous meeting they did. with Colin Flynn, the actual the, the, the journalist. The journalist. The journalist. And yeah. it says here um, on page three, it just so happened that two good friends of mine, this is Colin Flynn now, yeah. Father Brendan Quinlevin and Father Tom Ryan were visiting Rome on retreat for a yeah. week. We were out for dinner one night and I was listening to Father Brendan talking and I thought to myself, that's the voice. That's the voice. <laughs> yes. And by, by the way, the, the question about, they were out having dinner and they on retreat. For God's sake, when, <laughs> we, when we used to do retreats, we were fasting. Do you remember that when you were... Well, you couldn't fast for a week uh, if you were doing a retreat. Well, you you, would, you'd have to eat. The word dinner was... <laughs> 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 anyway, Father Brendan has hit the big time and we congratulate So him. now listen tomorrow evening. Yeah. And uh, the, by the way, apart from Scariff Bay Community Radio, yeah. BBC World Service is possibly the best radio station in the world. Really, do you access it? Oh, I do, yeah, yeah. absolutely. It's it's brilliant. Very good. Anyway, we we were talking about Santa Claus there, and what I want, and as we speak, it's still a couple of days before Christmas, two sleeps to Christmas Day. I was looking in my, I'm hoping at this stage that in my Christmas stocking, the Clare County Development Plan will be there when I wake up on Christmas Day, (laughs) because I want to read it. And, uh, God, I'd say you're, you're, you might be on your own there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'd be hoping for something else in my, like an Apple iPhone or something. Well, there won't be pressure on Santa to provide them, but yeah. I see the, on the front page of the Clare Champion, uh, Fiona has a story there where three North Clare councillors are urging uh, the public to engage with the draft development plan. And I think that echoes what we were talking about in this programme last week. Indeed, and uh, we will have to peruse it and we have mm. to analyse it, won't we? Yeah, it's yeah. on. It is on public display until March twenty eighth. So there is a, there is a good bit of time being given to the public. Mm. And uh, Councillor Colleen urged people to look at the plan, which is on display at a number of locations, and to attend information events taking place in January and February. Mm. And the nearest one in this particular region is Scariff, uh, the municipal district office in Scariff, and also the public libraries. Yes. So th- 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 that's if you want to get a hard copy. Now, it's also available online. 
Yes. Yeah. That's the other. It's very hard. There are so many pages, and it's very hard to re read it. You know? Yeah. You know? Yeah. It would be nice to have a copy, a yeah. hard copy, and that's what I'm hoping for. Anyway, we'll see. We'll work at it. Uh, John, before we came on air today, you were we were having a chat here about apprenticeships. Oh, right. And and I know it's something that's close to your heart. It is because we're short of technical, you know, applied technical technicians <coughs> of one form or another, aren't we? Yes, yes. And it has been flagged for a number of years. What has gone wrong with apprenticeships? What has taken over? What has taken over is the attraction of third-level colleges, whether they are the regional colleges or now universities, okay, or the mainline university. You weren't educated unless you had a degree. That kind of thinking was disastrous. And we've said it over and over again. Now the, the, the state, the government, is attempting to actually create an impetus towards apprenticeships and the attract, attractive options that are being made. There's, there's hardly a profession in, in the country now that you can't do an apprenticeship in. Mm. That the one that would be best known would have been the accountant. Do you know? The, the girl or the lad who started after leaving CERT in an accountancy mm. office mm. and lear learned the graft that way. Yeah. And of course, that became rare once the uh, universities started developing accountancy right. courses. And yeah. of course, when you think of nurses, yes. and now they weren't actually apprenticeships, but uh, they were nursing training colleges, that has been brought into the universities. Yes. But are, are you saying, John, should apprenticeships be brought into the universities? Yes, technological ones. Hmm. I see no reason why. I mean, the Germans have been, you know... But wasn't that, in the 1960s, when the regional technical colleges, yeah. the RTCs were proposed, wasn't apprenticeships supposed to be part of that? It was, uh, indeed. So, indeed. for the last 50 years, we're saying that project has failed. Is that what you're saying? I do, yeah. yeah. Um, so, what, what's going what to be failed, different? But I think what failed would have been a social, social attitude. Hmm. You know, okay... Hmm. I mean, uh, for whatever reason, we sold the principle that the only way to uh, to advance, advance in yeah. life was through the university system. Yeah, yeah. So there was a, we mentioned this before now, there was a huge element of snobbery. Mm. I mean, we don't but have to go... But are you saying that that has changed? These attitudes have changed? Well, that's what they're trying to do with the, in, 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 with, with the new initiatives. So tell us what the new initiative is. Essentially is... If if you as a uh, an employer take on an apprentice, we'll pay you three thousand pounds from the state. But how will that yeah. change the snobbery attitude? Well, I suppose when the guys and the girls begin to realise that you can earn maybe twice as much as yeah. a a technical individual, a plumber, a uh, yeah. okay, or but isn't that the case already, John? And has been for some time, um, especially during the Celtic Tiger years, uh, when, when when young men and women could earn an awful lot of money more uh, very quickly. Yes. And it hasn't actually... I, I think something else needs to change with attitudes, and it needs to change with parents. Yes. Well, of course, that's where it is. That's where it has to change. That's where it has to change. Listen, can I, can I move on from there? Because we want to cover as much as we can. Um, the year in review, Luke... 
there's a, a lovely piece there, Stuart Holly in the Clare Echo. Yeah. The has a piece put together in looking back over many of the stories that we've mentioned <coughs> yeah, in the course of the year. Indeed it has, and there, there, there's two bits to it, Jim, uh, what I would class as. There, there's the, the, the sports awards, uh, to which we will have to allude to one or, one or two of them, but uh, the year in review, and uh, again, uh, it's Stuart Holly, the, the editor, delving into the archives to bring the big stories of the year, and I'd say, if uh, I, I'm just wondering, have we found out who the who the man that writes the headlines at the top <laughs> is? Because if this is Stuart's <laughs> article, I, 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 I've noticed a bit of a trend. There are two in particular for the year that uh, that appeal to me. Uh, February, Shannon Chair makes tweet of himself. Very good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. How, how many would you give that out of five? Oh, I'd give that a strong three and a half. Would you? I would, yes, yes, yes. That'd be an honour. <laughs> yes, a si- a, a, <laughs> it's a good one. A six-hour yeah. turnaround which saw the appointment and then cancellation of the new per- chairperson of Shannon Group was coined as a fiasco and a sorry saga, right? Which, which was uh, in relation to uh, Aaron Ford being appointed as Rose Hines' su- successor. And then, John, the one that you have a, a fondness for in May, uh, Puka plans poo-pooed. Ah, yeah. uh. By the way, there's a great, great photo. Is there not? There is. There is there's right, a yeah. marvelous photograph of the said puka. Of yep. the said puka. I, I, that that is a story that I would have probably picked. Um, the, the, if you think of all the pr- of the issues that come up every every week for us, mm. uh, I wonder would we have like we cover Shannon <laughs> every week? <laughs> yeah. And apart from the Shannon chair, uh, there's no mention of 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 that. So. Uh, uh, curious how one picks out well, the big stories. Well, of in, fa- the year. in fairness, we talk about Blake's Corner, and that's getting two million to, <laughs> to have a look at that <laughs> yeah. next year. So that, that's worthy consideration. Yeah. I, I just want to go to the sports awards very quick, Jim. Because yeah. I know we're, uh, we're do we we're, figure what we're, we're back in this side we're, of the we're, county? We're, well, there's one or two now. Um, th- th- there's one I, w- I, w- uh, I I'll start with sporting personality of the year, Donny Garrahy, right? Who is yeah. a man from from Doolan, but. Uh, uh, and we said Donny uh, plenty uh, uh, action with soccer, but he's gone back now. We'll say to uh, Saint Brecon's uh, in uh, Gaelic football. Gaelic football. So his side reached the Clare uh, semi-finals, for the senior semi-finals for the second year in a row. He brings with him a ferocious work, work ethic and honesty. It's never dull with Donny. And then they have a quote. One of his favourite quotes: "We're not playing Sabutio." <laughs> Mm. Quoting Delia Smith and name-checking Italy's Giorgio Cialini, (laughs) who, if uh, those who play soccer would recommend, he's a man that has uh, taken a chunk out of one or two people's uh, uh, shoulders during the time. He wouldn't be on best name terms, I'd say, with a few soccer players at international level. Um, Multitasker of the year, Anne-Marie McGann. Our own Anne-Marie. Indeed. Is that the APR for... The Camogie, Camogie. Yeah, but, but she's much more than no, that. no. Sorry, that's, that's, that's breed. Not, that's breed is PR. Oh, yeah. But but uh, Anne Marie uh, is referred here to as the hype woman. The hype <laughs> for Breed McDamara. <laughs> Mm. As as Breed did a little bit of walking, raising a huge amount of money for Claire Camogie. But Anne Marie is manager, mentor, broadcaster, officer, teacher, and umpire were amongst the roles that she took uh, place during the year. The sporting hipster of the year. Seamus Collins, uh, Alissi Casey defender. Uh, he's the poster boy of sporting hipsters in the country, committed to his long locks. Apparently the most photographed uh, oh, really? sport, yeah. sports person. Mm. But I, I suppose we will have to give uh, a big shout out to 
team of the year, and it, it's the uh, Camogie uh, ladies of Scarafogonla, and I, I do love the, the initial headline. Jim, I'll let you uh, talk about the rest of it. Hell hath no fury like a crowd of East Clare women scorned. By golly. Yes. So they were scorned because they were beaten last year. Their title yeah. was taken off them yes. by, by Newmarket and Fergus, Parik's own club. Yeah. But um, they, they came back with a bang this year. And uh, he says that they will be, they'll take some stopping uh, when they go do to you, Munster. Lads, do you know how many uh, girls of varying ages are enrolled in the Scarf O'Gonolo um, camp. Were you in touch with that? A hundred, no. Uh, over 120. Yes. I mean, you're looking at a, a phenomenon, aren't you? You are indeed, yeah. Okay. You are. I, I, I hate to think about uh, the, the girls of the future. I'll tell you, if you ever, you won't be getting away with you know, the kind of things guys got away with in, in the previous no. John, John, we're already in that future. Okay. <laughs> well, I know that, uh, and we'll, we'll finish on this point, the, uh, the, the Scarif O'Gunlo, they train very, very hard. They do. I mean, as hard as any male hurling team that, that you would find really, really hard stuff. And, it sh- and so do, many, many, I would yeah, imagine, many of the yeah, top teams. Yeah. But, um, you know, they get their rewards and they work hard for them. Okay, music. We haven't had this week. What are we going to do for a bit of music, David? Well, Andrea Bocelli was mentioned earlier. I wonder, would we have um, a bit of Andrea? Okay, <laughs> we'll try it anyway. I'm not quite sure what we're going to come up with, but we'll press a few buttons and see what pops out. Very, very welcome back. Uh, you're listening to local media this week on Scarif Bay Community Radio. And I hope that you enjoyed our uh, offering there of Andrea Bocelli, who, uh, together with Father Brendan Quindleman, is appearing on the BBC World Service Radio this weekend. And uh, if you didn't get to hear it live, then I suggest you look for the podcast because there's bound to be a podcast on the extensive BBC podcast uh, platform. Mm-hmm. Anyway, and of course, if uh, you miss local red local media this week, any any day, you can get the podcast here on Podbean on uh, through the Scarif Bay Community Radio website or wherever you get your podcasts. And as Luke says. Uh, subscribe, subscribe once, and listen often. <laughs> so, and he's dead right. Anyway, looking at the the front of the Clare Echo uh, today, and uh, Parik McMahon has a story there, which is, looks like a lovely story of uh, a mother and daughter. That's uh, the Sarah Kate McConnell and her daughter Harmony, and they've put the word out that they're volunteering. Uh, to visit people in Scariff and further afield on Christmas Day if they are on their own and would like some company. I mean, isn't that lovely? It is, indeed. We know the Harmony and Sarah Kate McConnell um, 
she has a, a connection with the Sparling family. Okay, but apparently, as, as Porik said in the article, uh, she um, uh, came initially uh, because of the Steiner uh, contact. Okay, but uh, the offer, it isn't. She was so impressed by the welcome she received. You know, in a yeah, there uh, she's originally from Dublin and from Dublin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, so uh, I mean, uh, Christmas can be a very lonely time indeed. for people, especially those who live alone. It can be lonely for people living in big families as well, but in yep. in that particular way. But for pe- people living a- alone, uh, they might appreciate a visit. Um, no, I, the, the, I don't see a contact number in the article, did you? Um, no, I don't think it? there is a contact number, yeah, but I yeah. suppose she obviously lives around Scarif. So and and she probably has people in mind, I suppose, mm-hmm. that she will visit. Yeah. yeah. But we should all actually be open to popping in to our neighbours this time of year mm. anyway. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Isn't that right? Yes, yeah, exactly. So well done, uh, well done to Sarah Kate. And uh, it's great to hear as well that someone who comes to East Clare, you know, meets nothing but, you know, goodwill and the, the, the hand is offered in, of help. In friendship. In friendship, yeah. yeah it's it's yeah. lovely to hear that. It so it's a, it's a lovely story. Okay, we move south a little bit to Killaloo and... Uh, the cross-border, the flashpoint, as it certainly as it used to be, David. Well, it's one of the most sensitive borders in 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 the world, it would seem. Uh, no, Fiona McGarry uh, on the on page eleven um, has this story: cross-border cooperation on mobility plan is praised, and it's nothing to do with the north of Ireland. It's of course to do with Killaloo Ballina, and it's a new plan for the twin towns of Killaloo Ballina has been hailed by the council CEO as an example of political and executive collaboration across the water. Pat Dowling made his remarks as an eagerly awaited mobility plan, that's about movement, uh, was formally ratified by local authority members at their December meeting. The Killaloo and Ballina Town Enhancement and Mobility Plan outlines a number of key projects for both sides of the Shannon, including the future pedestrianisation of the old bridge, that lovely medieval bridge, mm-hmm. uh, once the new bridge and bypass are completed. Measures to boost walking and cycling are outlined, as well as actions to connect the flow of traffic to the bypass, reducing the number of vehicles in the centre of the two towns, which I think would have to be welcomed. I, I use, you're saying there that... that uh, the current bridge will be pedestrianised. Well, uh, according to Fiona's piece, that is the plan, or at least one of the plans. Uh, the 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 few it says, including the future pedestrianisation of the old bridge, and you can see why they beautiful, would do that. Yeah. Sorry, Luke, you uh, have a piece. Well, uh, I have a piece that isn't uh, strangely enough on uh, Clare County Council's website, or for that matter, Tipperary County Council's website. I wonder are there. PR or media teams. They're on uh, their Christmas holidays, Yeah, Luke. but, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, Crow TD had a uh, breaking news, we'll say, on the 22nd. And fantastic news for Killaloo after many years of waiting. He said that the Department of Transport and Clare County Council have awarded the contract for the Killaloo bypass uh, to John Sisk and Sons Holding Limited. So good Irish company, uh, indeed. But it basically means that, as the man says, you know the the great line that Irish Rail had: "We're not th- we're not there yet, but we're getting there." Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, now I think with this news, um, 
it is confirmed that works are going to start on the ground next March. That's right. right? And, 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 and all the TDs got this, Luke, because Alan Kelly, TD on Twitter, yes. yeah. said, so delighted that the contract... Now, he spelled contract incorrectly. He said contact, but I, I'm saying contract has been awarded for the new bridge at Balanagh-Killaloo. This will be transformative for North Tip East Clare, the whole Loch Derg area, and is something I've worked on for a decade, so he says. Work to commence in March 22, and to take three years hmm. is, is the projection. Uh, and, and further news, we'll say, from that, going back to Cahill Crow. Uh, and this is where I, I like that, you know, we talk about the political side of things. This is a project I have repeatedly lobbied for in my 22 <laughs> months <laughs> as a Clare TD. But, but, I think special credit here must go to local councillor, Tony O'Brien, the many community activists and Clare County Council staff who have always kept this at the top of the agenda. Well, that's very generous of him, well, isn't it? Well, well it, it, it is. But, <laughs> but, but then Tony would be of the same political affiliation. So, <laughs> yes. so it's good to pass out. But, uh, but either way. my back and I'll either way, It's good news. And, it is good and news, David, yeah. uh, the, co the contract value is 43.7 million plus VAT. Right? Why that's a lot of VAT. Why mm. they didn't include the VAT that's in the beyond me. But yeah. anyway. And the scheme will include, uh, this will be appealing now to uh, all, all people, a cycle lane over its entire length. That's that's to be welcomed, and as long as the roads, then not just we don't want just the bridge to be <laughs> to have a cycle. We'd like the roads to have appropriate space um, well, well, for cyclists. Well, well now I, it's something and footpaths. It's something that we could talk about for an awful long time. I'm going to mention it in passing, uh, John. Now, John, I warn you, this is in passing. <laughs> right? We, we can't go 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 talking about it for the full time because we just won't have time. But Roisin Garvey. Uh, had an announcement uh, earlier on during the week in relation to money for greenway projects, and yeah. this is a. I know uh, uh, you're you're a fan of this, and I suppose we should mention as well that uh, a Galway greenway was recently announced, which is going to be going to Woodford, which is mm. a million miles away from us. But anyway, Roshan Garvey had an announcement last week with nine hundred and seventy thousand euros for Clare, Clare greenway projects, and of course she was thanking her Green Party colleague, Minister Eamon Ryan. And she she tweeted, two years since I took Clare County Council colleagues to visit the Waterford Greenway, and here we are now with nine hundred and seventy thousand for the West Clare Railway uh, Greenway, eight hundred thousand for the Shannon Greenway, a uh, hundred thousand for the Limerick UL Black Bridge, and she also mentions that Scarif Town Square is going to get seventy thousand. So a little bit of fun. Have we there. have we any idea of what is in, what has been thought of in terms of the square and square? No, the work is is the planning work is is yeah. being finalised. I think. I, th maybe I, I think. I think. I think this would be to probably facilitate to the facilitate planning. the design. A lot of this money is is for design. Yeah. I, I, I what I I'd look at it, John, is basically saying that. Do you remember when they went at the footpaths? Mm -hmm. There wasn't much effort put into the initial design. No. of What they went at. So I think yeah, they might no. be trying to. Hmm. Of that problem, but yeah. but now there's a hundred thousand there. We'll say for work. We'll say uh, on the greenway coming out from UL to um, yeah out, out our side. But th you know the the whole issue that you would think that it, it, if there there's big money and big amounts of uh, greenways going to be uh, on the go uh, around the country, and uh, there was an article in the Independent uh, uh, on the seventeenth of December. And it basically says farmers and other land landowners are to be paid thousands of euros not to fight the purchase of their land for greenways. 
And that there has been ongoing talks in relation to that uh, and with the IFA and farming bodies and, and other people in rela- relation to it. So landowners will get an upfront, quote, sustainability payment as a goodwill gesture for signing a voluntary land ac- acquisition agreement at the early stages of planning. Mm-hmm. So It's a sweetener in other terms. Yeah, basically so, it might, yeah. it might mean. They're learning, I suppose they're learning from, from the Kerry situation where the Kerry farmers held up um, the, the the South Kerry Greenway for an awful long time. Yes. Has that I been con- resolved? I think now it finally has been resolved. Yeah. But and it did hold up that project yeah. for a very, very long yeah. time. There's mm. sustainability payments will start at €6,750 for the smallest pieces of land of up to 100 metres in length. Payments of 12000 will be made in respect of parcels 150 to 200 metres long, 17,250 for 250 to 400 metres and 22,500 euros for 400 to 500 Th- That metres. is very generous now. Is it? And, and, and that, that on top of the compulsory purchase the yeah. price and that will be paid. A, yeah. Oh, wait a minute. Uh, so it's a sweetener plus, plus yes. the actual uh, compulsory yeah. purchase. Yeah. And longer pieces will be eligible for 3,250 plus 35 euros for every metre. Payments for the lands will be made separately and depend on local factors. Luke, I, I want to uh, <coughs> paint a picture for you. There is a, a, a house in a most beautiful uh, location on the, on the River Shannon. Not terribly far away from here. You know, but, and um, uh, the garden, beautifully laid out, and it laps, uh, or the, 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 the river or the lake laps the shore. Now, tell me this. A ten-foot-wide passage greenway, greenway would trans- no, uh, like transform uh, yeah. uh, the well, would. In, a ne- in a negative way, wouldn't we? It? We've discussed it before. The potential route, and uh, nobody knows the routes. Mm. That's, I mean, this is where options will be developed. Yeah. But it is very hard to imagine, even imagine, a situation that you've described, John, where uh, uh, a property. With la- on the lake, with potential boat moorings and so on, worth millions, uh, would have a greenway going through there. Very hard to imagine that. Well, Bally Valley comes to mind. Mm. But there's so many houses all along the lake there. The whole route from Killaloo to Tungreni, I think, will cause many a sleepless night in Clare County Council. Mm. And on that, we're going to leave it because we could be talking about it. For, for, for <laughs> well, we'd like, to see, we'd, like to see the, uh, we'd like to see early designs, indeed, uh, please. Indeed. Yeah. 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 At least we're getting a bit of money to put yeah. design work in. Yeah. So hopefully we, we might leave that, but we'll stay in Killaloo for Go a on. moment. Yeah. Because uh, I see the, the local Aldi, the discount store in Killaloo, has received uh, an award, possibly the, the, the top discount store in the country am i am i right yes you are yeah Yeah. this is um aldi received the award at the inaugural wait for it national grocery retail awards hosted by checkout now i have no idea what checkout is the awards showcase the best in class in irish retail and honor the companies and suppliers that help ireland's leading stores achieve levels of service and product excellence that set them apart from competitors 
Judges commended Aldi's Clare Bay store of having consistently performed well since opening in December 2019. In particular, the judges noted the Killaloo store team has been working hard to provide an outstanding shopping experience to customers in addition to maintaining high standards and quality of display across its fresh fruit and vegetable offering. So there you are. Mm. And, and you think one Aldi is the same as another you do right actually. around the country yeah, but yeah. I would have to say that, that any time I've been in it the store the, the staff in Aldi are very helpful indeed they, and, you know, and they, local yeah. as well uh, I mean they're very strong by Irish you know philosophy behind yeah, the Aldi yeah. the yeah. one but, thing the one thing that uh, happens to me in not just Aldi shops but every shop any time I walk past the barriers the alarms go off <laughs> What? Oh, well, now, David, I don't know what type of stuff you're at. But, uh, that's your it's own even thing. going into the shop and I go off. Uh, well, the, Alarms. The, Alar- the alarm, as if I'm stealing things. They've, I don't they've know obviously what. heard of your... your <laughs> they, they've, they've obviously heard about you, haven't read about you last week uh, in the yes. Clare Echo, yeah. and, and now reading about you in the living section <laughs> of the Champion this to, week. So. They, they want to let the customers know I've arrived. <laughs> Indeed. I'm, uh, just, I'm just wondering, a discount store. Uh, what is a discount store? You know, and, and uh, I mean, Aldi and Lidl, I suppose, would be considered discount stores. Um, does yeah. that mean they're cheaper than other stores? That they offer discounts, is it? I don't know. It's a strange... And other stores don't? Uh, yeah. I'd say Dun, done stores like it would strike you as being most likely to have the title. Yes. Uh, you get an yeah. extra percentage back, don't you? Yeah. With, yeah. Uh, I suppose it all I don't know, Jim. Sponsoring. But uh, the one thing that isn't mentioned, uh, and now I have to admit, uh, I, I haven't see, seen it in more recent times, but uh, one of the big uh, factors about Aldi and Killaloo, the Aldi cat. The Aldi cat? Yes. Oh, yes. That is outside the door. And and, now I, I, and I, it's I, fed I, sometimes by customers. Uh, absolutely. Fed a lot by customers. Uh, absolutely. But but has the, 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 the perch of the cigarette uh, uh, tray that's strategically positioned, we'll say, as far as the cat is concerned, mm. uh, outside the shop, so that the cat is viewable <laughs> on the way in <laughs> and then on the way out. And I, I it's it, it's wait very a, wait, well wait a minute. No, are you not aware of the lovely black and white cat that uh, um, positions herself or himself? Oh, there is one at the entrance cars, yes. to Centra. Yes, yeah, well, uh, right. well, uh, competition. Uh, yes, it's, <laughs> they're very well trained. But I, I have seen on occasions when when lockdown started initially, uh, there was one occasion where the cat was inside in the shop, socially distanced. I have to say, was standing <laughs> right on the right on the, uh, 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 on the Luke. On the step. It, it suggests to me that there should be an award offered for the best type of cat outside a retail unit. Mm. We, we'll set up. Can we suggest we'll that? Set, we'll set up yeah. a campaign for next year. Okay, <laughs> so we'll stay there and stay in Killowell. Well, it's actually bad enough, but uh, uh, a man who has been interviewed here on Scarif Bay Community Radio, Finn McGeever. And Finn, uh, in conjunction with a number of others, uh, broke a national record recently. Um, the, the record that we're talking about is the men's 4x200 freestyle relay. And uh, they broke the team it broke seven minutes for the first time so well done finn and uh well done the rest of them as well uh great um swimming it's the first record there in yeah. Ballina. Mm. the story is carried in both papers which is great but uh, i'm looking at ivan smith's piece on the back page of of the living section which is the sports and it's the first time the first sorry it's the first irish relay team to qualify 
for a world championship final in 28 years. Now, that's a that's a pretty good achievement. It is. It's very good. And there's um, another girl, her name escapes me at the moment now, uh, who, who has broken the Irish record a few times over the last week or two, just mm. to... Uh, mm. Mm. <laughs> Uh, okay. Anyway, congratulations to to Finn. Uh, when we're on, while we're on sport, I see John is after handing me here stronger finishing scarf seals the school's title, and that's uh, a three ten to two seven win over St Munchens of Limerick. Yeah, yeah. Um, They're well done to them. Yeah, absolutely. And well you know, done. in the middle of winter, four hundred people turned up to look at it. Apparently. Uh, Yes. Yeah, very good. My neighbour, Matthew Crotty, in goals for Scarif. So yeah. I know him very well. You Matthew do. has been coming to our house since he was a baby. Yeah. And uh, congratulations to him and to all the others as well. Looking here at, yeah, the palm free, that's what I'm looking at. I think it's maybe page... Page uh, three. Uh, yes. On in the Clare Echo. On the Echo. Yeah. And the palm free experiences... A quite incredible increase in demand. Uh, it's a, it's an indicator. We'll say, you know, like all good things, Jim. Uh, we, we've been talking about Killaloo there for the last hour, but uh, things have uh, ran successfully for them that they've now moved to Tungreni for production. Yes, you know, so here have they? They're in, in Raheen, Yes, are they? So, yeah, and oh. uh, currently employing eight, eight that's people. That's correct. Eight people, yeah. and uh, that's 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 Tony Hines. Yeah, yeah. and so, you know we've referred to it previously. Uh, we'll say it, it's as part of Click for Clare. You know, look for local. Yeah, uh, with the enterprise office there, a great article there on page thirty-three. We'll say that Stuart Holly has written in relation to them, and uh, we wish them the, the very best. And they're, uh, they're hoping to build on their export market to the US. But gentlemen, just so for the listener and for me, palm-free soap. What what is it? All Jim, oh, Jim, I've Jim, your skin looks very nice this morning and this le- evening. Le- less chemicals. Less chemicals. Zero waste with a commitment to and, sustainability. And not, not made with palm oil, which I no. understand is driving deforestation in certain parts of the world. Yes. yes. I know yeah. we, we now buy, um, when we buy peanut butter, it, we buy... It's, it's yes. free from palm oil. Free from palm oil as well. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, lads, we have about one and a half minutes to go. Uh, I just want to mention Pat Buck because he's mentioned there on, in page 11 on the East Clare page of the Clare Champion. And he has a number of, um, Fiona has two stories there. One is the ash dieback, which we talked about last week, and he, he sells it a pathetic response. And the other one is progress on, on key projects. He says he's like Santa Claus at, uh, <laughs> at the moment. Um, and he's bearing gifts. And he's bearing gifts. No, he's reflecting on all the projects that have come. Uh, for example, the old rectory in Mount Shannon and the Inish Culture Visitor Centre. And he's congratulating the local authority for, 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 the, for their efforts over the years. So it's a kind of a reflective piece. And who, and who knows, by the time the next election comes around, they might have built it. <laughs> yeah, you know? never know. Be- Jim, we're in the last Pat, 45 uh, seconds. 45. If Pat O'Brien were with us, he would be certainly selling uh, the, the, the uh, 100th anniversary ambush book, Glenwood Ambush. Yeah. Yeah, sure, he okay. doesn't he yeah. mention it every week. He, he does. Well, and, and, and you can buy it in bands. You can buy it, it in bands. And, so and it's, it's a lovely book. It, it is a lovely Before book. we go, Jim, page 25 of the Clare Echo, uh, Merry, wishing all their viewers, uh, our readers, Merry Christmas, Happy New Year. No newspaper on the 30th office closed till the 4th of January. And David and, in the champion. And, and on the back page, page 16, we have 19 individuals responsible for the production of the Clare Champion. They're all listed and they're all photographed. And I think it would be 
appropriate to wish them and also the people behind the Clare Echo a very happy Christmas. And continued and success. Continued and, success. And the Clare County Express Absolutely. as well. Okay, that's all, folks, yeah. uh, for this week. Yeah. Uh, my thanks to our, our regular contributors, John S. Kerry. John S., thank you very much. You're welcome, Jim. David Fleming. David, thanks, thank you. Jim. And a very adequate substitute today. Uh, More than adequate. More than adequate, indeed. <laughs> and that's... Uh, Mr. The other Mr. Fleming. <laughs> we have two Flemings and... Uh, if we can't have a Millsman, we'll bring in two for some granny. Then that's Luke Fleming. Okay. Uh, any, any bit of music, any suggestion? Because Pat isn't here. Hopefully Pat will be rejoin us again over the next couple of some, weeks. Something festive, Luke. It'll, it'll be a surprise, Jim. Okay, so with that, all I can say is thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, enjoy the rest of your uh, Sunday afternoon and please God we'll join join us again next Sunday uh, when we'll well hopefully we'll all be back for those Ren boys exactly <laughs> goodbye <laughs> from the team goodbye and God bless <laughs>